Hello, this is Kenny Williamson, and welcome back to another episode of McKeel's Deck Chronicles. In this episode, we're going to be listening to a portion of Dr. Kent Hovind's creation seminar. And in this particular seminar, he talks about the age of the earth and lots of other things. This is a really good, very informative seminar that I really think you're going to want to hear. Now, this is another one of the ministries that I have personally been supporting for several years. So I really like the information. I think it's great. So I'm going to post it up here for you to listen. And I'm going to have to have several of these because they're really long. They're several hours apiece. So I'm going to try to do it in 30 or 45 minute increments. And so here it is. And any questions, comments, just let me know what you think. So without further ado, here we go. My name is Kent Hovind. I taught high school science for 15 years, and now for 16 years I've been an evangelist doing seminars on creation, evolution, and dinosaurs. And I tell people right up front that I believe the Bible is the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of the living God. I believe it from cover to cover. I even believe the cover on mine. It says Kent Hovind. And for those that don't know, the Bible is your basic instructions before leaving earth. You really ought to read the book because you're going to be gone for an awfully long time. I mean, when you leave here, there ain't no coming back, so make sure you're going to the right spot. Okay, now, one of my jobs as a Christian is to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that's in us. I think in the last few hundred years, the Christians have not done a good job of answering this evolution theory, and we've allowed this philosophy of evolution, actually it's a religion, we've allowed this religion to take over our school system, our legal system, our whole thinking process now is based on a philosophy which has zero scientific evidence, none. We've been offering a quarter million dollars for anybody with any real scientific ev evidence for evolution. That offer's been out there about 12 years now. There is no evidence for it whatsoever. People believe in it, I understand, but that doesn't make it science. Now, there are three things to try to accomplish in my seminar. Number one, I want to strengthen your faith in the Word of God. Number two, if you're not saved, I want to try to get you converted. I'll tell you right up front, I'm after you, okay? I'm not sneaking up on you. I'm after you, all right? Number three, if you're saved and you're not doing much for the Lord, then I'm going to try to make you uncomfortable. All right, you know where we're going now. Okay, all right. I've done a lot of debates, over 90, 92 debates now I've done at universities. One here at UT Knoxville against Dr. Pigliucci. Debated him twice. I'll be glad to do it again. I don't think he will, but uh, I'll be honored. You know, the, the guys I debate are a lot smarter than I am, but I slaughter them because I'm right and they're wrong. You know, it's real simple, real simple. But if the evolution theory is true, how would you answer the four great questions of life? Who am I and what am I worth? Well, if evolution is true, you're nothing important. You're just a piece of protoplasm that washed up on the beach. You're not worth a thing. Actually, you're part of the problem, you see, because you are one of the polluters of the environment. And the more of you we can get rid of, the better. See, that's normal thinking if evolution is true. Where did I come from? Well, if evolution is true, you came from a cosmic burp about 20 billion years ago. Why am I here? What's the purpose of life? Well, if evolution is true, there's no purpose to life, so you might as well have fun. If it feels good, do it. Where am I going when I die? Well, if evolution is true, you're going to the grave, and you're going to get recycled into a worm or a plant. But see, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, if that's true, that puts a whole different set of answers to those questions. That means we better try to figure out who God is and find out what He wants and do what He says, because He created this place, which means He owns it, which means he makes the rules. We better find out what he wants. And if you're not obeying his rules, you may be in trouble one of these days. We're going to get into more of that 
later. But boy, the devil doesn't like this idea that God created the earth. The devil came to Eve in the Garden of Eden. The first thing he said to the woman, he said, Eve, hath God said? Yea, hath God said? He's, tr he's, he's trying to raise doubts about God's Word. Satan always tries to raise doubts about God's Word. That's one of the reasons we've got all this confusion on the different Bible versions. You know, where is God's Word? Is it over here? I don't know where it is. We cover more on that on video 7. The second thing he said to the woman, he said, ye shall not surely die. He's calling God a liar, basically. The third thing he said to Eve is what I want to talk to you about tonight. He said, Eve, if you eat off that tree, ye shall be as gods. And right there is where the whole idea of evolution got started. It didn't start with Charlie Darwin. It started with Satan in the Garden of Eden. He wants you to think you can become a god. Yes, boys and girls, we started like an amoeba, and we're evolving. We're getting bigger and better and stronger and smarter, and someday we're going to sail around the universe and discover new life forms like Star Trek. People ask me all the time, they say, Hoven, do you think there's intelligent life on other planets? I say, nope. I taught high school 15 years. There's not much intelligent life on this planet. <laughs> I didn't get to see a whole lot of it. Satan's a liar. He said, you can be like God. I'll tell you what, the Mormon church has swallowed that. They teach their people, if you're a good Mormon, when you go to heaven, you get to become God. And if you're a good Mormon wife, when you go to heaven, you get to be eternally pregnant, producing spirit babies. My wife don't want to go. She said, that's not heaven. <laughs> By the way, there are some great books to reach Mormons and a good website, utlm, utahlighthousemission.org. If you want to reach Mormons, you ought to study that one. I was surprised to find out a couple years ago, some of the major Catholic theologians of the past have taught man can become God. It's still in their catechism right now. Now, most Catholics don't believe that, and they don't even realize some of their leaders have taught that. But even Kenneth Copeland said, Adam in the Garden of Eden was God manifest in the flesh. He said, you don't have a God in you. You are one. I'm sorry, Kenneth. You're crazy about that, okay? Kenneth Hagin said, the believers called Christ. That's who we are. We're Christ. No, you're crazy. The job's not available, and you couldn't do it if you had it, okay? You're not God, right? Nor are you Christ. Walk on water sometime. I want to see that. Lucifer is the one who wants to be God. Lucifer said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. See, Satan wants to be God, but the job's not available, so he's all upset about that, and he can't be God. So he lied to Eve and told her she could be like God. Now, Satan hates us, though, because we're made in God's image. And boy, Eve fell for that hook, line, and sinker. Wow, I get to be God. Now, Hitler said, if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough and often enough, the people will believe it. He said they're more likely to believe a big lie than a small one. If you want to get somebody to believe a lie, you have to do it like my two big brothers did to me. I have two older brothers. They've always been older than I am. They still are today, I believe. But when I was about six years old, I was raised in East Peoria, Illinois. By the way, I know I'm in Tennessee, but are there any more Yankees in the crowd? Any Yankees out there? Five, six, seven. Okay, and how many Southerners do we have? Ooh, well, just remember who won, if you would. Um, <laughs> I know it ain't over yet. <laughs> but I was raised in East Pure. I couldn't help that. But I did move to Florida as soon as I got smart enough to figure out, you know, the South is going to rise again. But uh, I was about six years old. I came running in for breakfast one morning, and I was the first one there for breakfast. 
So I got the last banana out of the bowl to put on my cereal. Well, a few minutes later, my two big brothers came in. They said, hey, Kent, is that the last banana? I said, yep, and I got it. How many of you have an older brother or sister? You know that wonderful feeling you get when you finally pull one over on them? Boy, that morning I had them and I knew it. They wanted my banana. But big brothers do not beg little brothers for anything. They either beat them up and take it away by brute force, or they lie to them and trick them out of it somehow. So my brothers said, hey, Kent, do you know how bananas are made? I said, no. I was only six years old. It's been proven in laboratory tests the brain doesn't even start to grow till kids are 18 to 20. How many parents can verify that one from raising kids? Yep. I said, no, how are bananas made? And they said, well, down in South America, they have these spiders that live up in the trees, and when they die, all their legs fold up, and mold begins to grow on the dead spider legs. And a banana is really nothing but moldy spider legs. I said, you guys are lying to me. You just want this banana because you know it's the last one. They said, no, brother, we're not lying. You cut that thing in half and look in the middle, you can still see the black spots where his legs were. I did not eat bananas for nearly three years after that. <laughs> they lied to me. Have you ever been lied to before? You know, I would not have believed the lie if it hadn't been for those black spots. See, if you want to get somebody to believe a lie, you have to mix it with some truth. That's a technique they've used for years to kill rats. You don't give the rat a bowl of poison. You give the rat a bowl of good food with a little poison mixed in. They're mixing two things together that really do not belong together. See, rat poison is 99.995% good food. That's how you trick them. They've done the same thing for years to sell Marlboro cigarettes. They mix them in with cowboys. You can watch any Marlboro commercial. There's something about a cowboy in there. Have you stopped and thought about that? What is the connection between smoking Marlboro and cowboys? Do all cowboys smoke Marlboro? No. Do you have to smoke Marlboro to be a cowboy? If you start smoking Marlboro, do you become a cowboy automatically? No. You may smell like a horse, but you are not a cowboy. Okay? Actually, it's been proven in laboratory tests that nobody in the world smokes. Nobody smokes. Only the cigarette smokes. The person is the sucker. That's all. I think they ought to put the real name on those things. We ought to have some truth in advertising. You know, they should really be calling them cancerettes, breath rotters, bypass, malignant flimballs, and money suckers. Mm -hmm. They do the same thing with beer, though. They try to associate beer with sports. What does beer have to do with sports? They get some big football player holding his can of Bud Dumber. Or Bud Stupid. They call it Bud Wiser. It don't make him any wiser, that's for sure. He's got his Bud Dumber, Miller Low Life, or Dead Dog, whatever it is. He says, man, you drank this stuff and you will be a football player. Yeah, right. The Bible says, you drank that stuff, you will wreck your life. Who hath woe, who hath wounds without cause, they that tarry long at the wine. The Bible says, don't even look at it when it gets fermented. Habakkuk said, woe to him who giveth his neighbor drink. There's a lot in the Bible about don't even touch that stuff. One kid said, what's the matter, Hovind? Don't you like beer? I said, I don't know. I've never tasted it. I'm 52 years old. Never had a drop in my life. Well, I've had NyQuil a couple times. but He said, how do you know you won't like it if you don't try it? I said, now, son, that's a brilliant way to live your life. Let me ask you a question, son. Have you ever laid your head under a semi-truck? Well, how do you know you won't like it if you don't try it? <laughs> you don't have to try everything to figure out if it's good or bad, okay? There are other ways to learn, you know, <laughs> like watching somebody else do it. Wow, don't do that. That will hurt, you know. 
Like famous redneck last words. Hey, y'all, watch this, you know. Uh, <laughs> I like science, folks. I collect science books, and there, there's a lot of good science in these books, but there's some poison mixed with it. It's kind of like the rat poison. It's not the good food I'm against. It's the poison. We like science. We're not against science. But I'm against poison mixed in with the science. That's all. Here's a first grade textbook. I'll show you what I'm talking about. They tell the kids in first grade, Earth has changed much since its formation four and a half billion years ago. Now just hold on a minute. Is the Earth four and a half billion years old? No, as we'll see in a minute. But if you tell that to a first grader, he's going to believe you. First graders believe everything you tell them. They believe bananas are moldy spider legs. <laughs> I did. And then tell them again in second grade. Since its formation four and a half billion years ago, Earth has changed. Down at the bottom it says, life too has evolved on Earth. This word evolved is a very tricky word. I've done over 90 debates and about 7,000 radio and TV call-in talk shows, and I've learned how to win the debate on evolution in the first five minutes. It is so easy. If somebody says, do you believe in evolution? I say, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, evolution. No, which one are you talking about? There are six meanings to the word. Are you talking about cosmic evolution, the origin of time, space, matter? I don't believe in that, with the Big Bang. We'll talk about that in a minute. Are we talking about chemical evolution? Because according to the Big Bang theory, the Big Bang, you know, produced hydrogen and maybe some helium. Well, then how did we get all these other elements? Do you want me to believe uranium evolved from hydrogen? They'll say, well, yeah, fusion. You have fusion in stars. Yeah, but you can't fuse past iron very well. Number two, you got a chicken and an egg problem here because you have to have the stars to make the elements and the elements to make the stars. Which one came first? Which brings up, of course, stellar evolution. How did the stars form? You know, nobody's ever seen a star form. Scientists don't even have a clue how a star could form. No even good theories about star formation. We cover more on that on video seven. But we see stars blow up all the time. It's called a nova or a supernova if it's a big one. With that happens all the time. But we never see one form. And yet there's enough stars out there that we know about that everybody on planet Earth, every single individual, can personally own 11 trillion stars to yourself. Those are the ones we know about. We don't know about the ones that we don't know about. <laughs> Fourthly, there's going to have to be organic evolution. Life has to get started from non-living material. Nobody has a clue how that could happen. Then we're going to have to have what's called macroevolution. That's where an animal changes to a different kind of animal. Did you know nobody has ever seen a dog produce a non-dog? Never. You may get a big dog or a little dog, but you're going to get a dog every time. And it could be that the dog, the wolf, and the coyote had a common ancestor. I wouldn't argue about that. They probably did. But every five-year-old kid knows they're the same kind of animal. I'll show you. Is anybody in here five or six? Who's five or six years old? Anybody? How about, we got one? Okay. How old are you, buddy? Six? I want you to take a test. Here we have a dog, a wolf, a coyote, and a banana. Which one is different than the rest of them? The banana. Give him a hand. All right. Very good. <laughs> we have college professors can't figure that out. Okay. Tell you what I want you to do. When we're done, I want you to go out to the table out in the hallway and you can pick out any free video or DVD you want. Okay? We've got a bunch of videos and DVDs about dinosaurs and stuff out there. The Bible says the animals are going to bring forth after their kind. Now, Charlie Darwin wrote a book on the table down here called Origin of Species. See, a dog and a wolf are the same kind of animal, but they're different species. 
He fooled everybody by changing the word from kind to species. We'll get into more of that on video four. Lastly, we have what is called microevolution. This is changes within the kinds. Now that one happens. I'll go along with number six. I think animals can produce a whole variety of offspring. You know, long hair, short hair, long-legged, short-legged. That happens. But the first five are purely religious. It's not science. We never observe any of those. So if you want to win the debate on evolution, simply define exactly what you're talking about. And you'll find all they ever give are examples of number six, which there's no argument about it. It happens. But then they imply that that is somehow magically evidence for the other five, and it is not. The teachers are taught, though, be sure to stress to the students that the earth is billions of years old. Make sure the kids believe this. Now, I happen to be a little old-fashioned. I think in science class, we should be teaching science. Things we can observe and study and test and demonstrate. Things like the first law of thermodynamics. The first law of thermodynamics tells us matter cannot be created or destroyed. Well, everything's made out of matter, so if matter cannot be created or destroyed, then how did the world get here? We're here, you know. So that leaves only two choices. Somebody made the world, or the world made itself. There's no other choice. Well, there are a few out there on the lunatic fringe who will tell you, we're not really here at all, we just think we're here. Okay, you can forget about those folks, right? We're here. So either somebody made the world like the Bible says, God created it, or the world just made itself like the humanists believe. It just is self-existing and not created. Well, if the world just made itself, how could this happen? Boy, the devil thought about that for a long time. And finally, one day, he came up with the Big Bang Theory. How many of you have ever heard of the Big Bang Theory before? I was on the airplane years ago, flying from Dallas to San Francisco, and I happened to sit right next to a professor from Berkeley, UCAL Berkeley. I don't know if you folks in Knoxville have ever heard of Berkeley or not, but Berkeley is not a Bible college. <laughs> so here I was on the airplane about that far away from this guy, and we started talking about creation and evolution. Everybody I sit by on the airplane wants to talk about that, so I talk about it with him. And he said he believed in evolution. I said, yes, sir, I figured that. You have to to teach at Berkeley. I said, tell me, sir, if you believe in evolution, how did the world get here? He said, oh, it came from the Big Bang. I said, really? I'd like to hear about this. He said, you're a science teacher and you have never heard of the Big Bang? I said, oh, yes, sir, I've heard a lot about the Big Bang. And I believe in the Big Bang, but my Big Bang is a lot different than yours. I said, you tell me about your Big Bang, and then I'll tell you about my Big Bang. And so the professor took off on one of those answers that looked like it came straight from the textbook. He said, well, <clears throat> Mr. Hoven, I believe about 18 or 20 billion years ago. That's a long time. All the matter in the universe. That's a lot of stuff. By the way, the word universe comes from two Latin words, uni, which means single, and verse, which means a spoken sentence. Did you know we live in a single spoken sentence? God said, let there be. Now that'll preach, man. There's a sermon in there someplace right there, okay? And if your pastor can't find it, he ain't got no preaching him at all, okay? All the matter in the universe was concentrated into one very dense, very hot region that may have been much smaller than a period on this page. Say what? Everything in the universe squished into a dot smaller than a period on a page? Wow. That's one crowded dot. And heavy, too. <laughs> hey, and it ain't the first time it happened, boys and girls. This textbook says 
Someday, after many billions of years, all the matter and energy will once again be packed into a small area, no larger than the period at the end of this sentence. Then another big bang will occur. It happens every 80 to 100 billion years. Can you believe they cut down a tree to print that? Where's Al Gore when you need him? Hmm, that's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> and why did you guys send Al Gore to Washington? You had him here, you know. But no. This textbook author was brilliant. I could not believe how smart this guy was. He said, boys and girls, nothing really means nothing. You have to be at least that smart to write a book. He said, not only matter and energy would disappear, but also space and time. However, physicists theorize that from the state of nothingness, the universe began in a gigantic explosion. What? Yes, boys and girls, you see, one day nothing exploded. And here we are. <laughs> we could spend three days talking about the Big Bang Theory. They used to say the thing that exploded was a few light years in diameter. And then they said, oh no, it's only... 275 million miles. And they said, oh no, it's only 71 million miles. They keep getting it smaller. And now they're saying, nothing exploded. Wow, Discover Magazine here a couple years ago said, where did everything come from? Boys and girls, the universe burst into something from absolutely nothing. Zero, nada. As it got bigger, it became filled with even more stuff that came from absolutely nowhere. How is that possible? Ask Alan Guth. His theory will explain everything. Wow, I've got to meet this Alan Guth guy. Alan Guth said in Scientific American, the observable universe could have evolved from an infinitesimal region. In the Hebrew, that's a dot. He said, it's then tempting to go one step further and speculate that the entire universe evolved from literally nothing. You see, boys and girls, we all came from a dot, and the dot came from nothing. <laughs> and they call that science and put it in a science journal? I think I'd call that a fairy tale and put it in the garbage. I said, Professor, uh, what happened to your dot? He said, well, over 20 billion years ago, all the dirt in the solar system was drawn into this little bitty tiny dot, and it was spinning. It spun faster and faster, and all of a sudden, shh, boom, it exploded, big bang. And the pieces that flew off became galaxies and sun, moon, stars, and here we are, you know, people, nothing but stardust. I said, sir, can I ask you a couple questions, please? He said, sure, what do you want to know? You know, we got a three-hour flight sitting that far away from each other on the airplane. And I said, well, sir, i got a question. Uh, you said 20 billion years ago all the dirt got together for the big squish and the big spin and the big bang. Where did all the dirt come from? You know, who made matter? He said, we don't know that for sure. I said, okay, now, sir, hold it. If I told you that I believe about 6,000 years ago God created the heaven and the earth, then you're going to say, and where did God come from? And I have no idea. But you said 20 billion years ago there was a big bang and you don't know where the dirt came from. So basically, I believe in the beginning God and you believe in the beginning dirt. <laughs> don't tell me my theory is religious and your theory is scientific. <laughs> no, 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 they're both religious. The news media tries to make it look like it is science versus religion. No, it's not. It's not science versus religion. This is two religions. Evolution and creation are both religious. You have to believe in one or the other. The difference is the evolution religion is tax-supported. That's the difference, one of many differences. By the way, these two timelines, it's the same thing right here behind me. On the top timeline, every inch represents 150 years. Abe Lincoln was not even president one inch ago. Okay. 
If I was to show you what 20 billion years looks like at the same scale as the top chart, I'd have to have a, this chart on the bottom to be this scale. This one would have to be 2,100 miles long. That's from Pensacola to Portland, Oregon. I don't want to carry a chart that big, so I made a new scale for the other one. Okay. The professor said he did not know where the matter came from. I said, well, sir, could you tell me where the laws came from? This universe is run by laws. You know, gravity, centrifugal force, inertia, Boyle's law, Cole's law. You can eat that with potato salad. Okay. There's all kinds of laws in the universe. Where did the laws come from? And by the way, why aren't the laws still evolving? Hmm? Do you ever think about that? I mean, why is gravity always the same? Why don't you weigh 10 pounds more one day? You say, well, I do. Well... That's for different reasons, okay? But uh, where did the energy come from anyway, huh? Who bought the gas to run this machine? He's, the professor said, I don't know any, we don't know any of those things. I said, sir, could I ask you another question? He said, sure, what else would you like to know? Else? What do you mean else? You haven't told me nothing yet. I said, sir, does Berkeley uh, have a merry-go-round? How many of you know what a merry-go-round is? You go round, round, round to your puke. You've been on them before? He said, no, we don't have a merry-go-round at Berkeley. I said, you really ought to get one. You know, you could learn some good science on a merry-go-round. If you put some fourth graders on there, any fourth graders in here last year or next year, fourth graders, I know it's summertime here. All right, I like fourth graders. I spent the best five years of my life in the fourth grade. That's before they diagnosed ADD. <clears throat> By the time my brother was in fourth grade, we all knew what he was going to be when he got out of high school. 32. Well, we're going to put some fourth graders on the merry-go-round and get the high school football team out there to get it spinning clockwise as fast as it will possibly go. Now, if you have a digital watch, you may not know what clockwise means. I'll tell you later. We're going to spin the merry-go-round clockwise. The kids are going to go through four phases. They start off in phase one. They're screaming at the football players. Come on, let's go faster, faster. Can't you go any faster? You get up around 30 miles an hour. The kids enter phase two where they stop screaming. They just quietly concentrate on trying to hang on for dear life. You get up around 30 miles an hour, the kids enter phase uh, 60 miles an hour. They enter phase three where they start screaming again. But now they're screaming, stop, stop, please slow down. Don't stop, though. Keep going faster and faster. When you get to about 100 miles an hour, you should enter phase four. That's where the kids begin to fly off the merry-go-round. Now, when this happens, you will notice a very interesting phenomena of physics. If the merry-go-round is going clockwise, when the kid flies off, the kid will be spinning clockwise until he encounters resistance, like a tree or a pole. That's because of a law in physics known as the conservation of angular momentum. See, if a spinning object breaks apart, the pieces that fly off are going to spin the same direction because the outside's moving faster than the inside. And we could talk all day about the conservation laws if you'd like, but the professor said, yes, I know about the conservation laws. I said, well, good, sir, then let me ask you a question. If the universe began as a spinning dot, like you said, why do two planets spin backwards and probably three? He got real quiet, puzzled look on his face. I said, sir, why do eight out of 91 known moons spin backwards? Why do Jupiter, Saturn, and Neptune have moons going both directions at the same time? Huh. Why is the sun 98% hydrogen and helium, but the other planets are less than 1% hydrogen and helium? And why are these nine planets so different from each other? If it all came from a Big Bang, I mean, what's, why are they all so different? Very different compositions. And why do some whole galaxies spin backwards? CNN did an article, Goofy Galaxy Spins in Wrong Direction. 
I said, sir, why are these things going backwards? He said, I don't know. Why do you think they're going backwards? I was hoping he was going to ask that. I said, sir, it's real simple. You see, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and God did it that way on purpose just to make the Big Bang Theory look stupid. <laughs> yes, amen. Now, I do believe in the Big Bang because the Bible teaches the Big Bang. It says, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. In the original Greek, that's a Big Bang. So there's going to be a Big Bang. It just didn't happen yet. Okay? So kids, if you go to school and some professor says, hey, do you believe in the Big Bang? You should say, yes, I do, and you better get saved and get ready for it. The Big Bang is coming soon to a city near you. <laughs> By the way, if the world came from a Big Bang and slowly evolved over billions of years, why did Jesus die on the cross? What's the purpose of the death of Christ? And when the Bible says God's going to restore the world like it used to be, restore it to what? More death and suffering? <laughs> we cover more on that theistic evolution position in video 7. And the Big Bang Theory is ludicrous for numerous reasons, okay? If the Big Bang Theory were true, the matter would be evenly distributed. But it's not. Serious, serious problems with the Big Bang Theory. Even Fred Hoyle said, I have little hesitation in saying the sickly Paul hangs over the Big Bang Theory. Get more on that in the book called The Evolution Cruncher. It's a 900-page book. It's only five bucks. Excellent book to give away to every kid in your high school. The second law of thermodynamics tells us everything tends toward disorder. If you leave something alone for a while, it's going to rot, rust, die, fall apart, or break down. Nothing gets better by itself. That's what the Bible teaches. The heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish. They wax old as doth a garment. Nothing gets better by itself. Take a look at your hairdo when you wake up in the morning. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Everything tends toward chaos, right? Here is Sue at 20. Here she is at 90. <laughs> and here she is at 3,000. Everything tends toward chaos, folks, all right? All you have to do is nothing, and everything deteriorates, collapses, breaks down, wears out. That's what the second law is all about. Everything is getting worse. Nothing's getting better. But the textbook says, humans probably evolved from bacteria more than four billion years ago. Was your great, 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 grandpa bacteria? Evolutionists will say, well, Hovind, don't you know if you add energy, you can overcome the second law of thermodynamics. And the earth receives energy from the sun, so the earth is an open system, and that's how we overcome the law. I understand the argument, but they're missing the point. The universe is a closed system, number one. Number two, adding energy is destructive unless there's a special mechanism to use and harness the energy. See, the Japanese added a bunch of energy to Pearl Harbor one day. They didn't organize a thing for us, did they? So a few years later, we added some energy to a few of their cities, didn't we? You know, returned the favor. Didn't organize anything for them. Adding energy is destructive. The sun adds energy to the roof of your house, but it's going to destroy your house. The sun's energy will destroy the entire house. The sun's energy will destroy the roof on your car. It will destroy your upholstery. The sun's energy will destroy your paint job. There's only one thing that can actually use the sun's energy. Chlorophyll. And one little plant cell is more complex than a space shuttle. Cover more on that on video four. Now, evolution violates the second law, and evolution is wrong. Okay? This textbook shows the kids a fossil starfish. And it says, 3.4 billion years old, the remains of the early ancestors of modern human beings. 
Was your great, 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 great grandpa starfish? How about Discover Magazine, November 2004? Was your ancestor a sea sponge? This is your ancestor. Wow, who's your daddy? <laughs> Please don't laugh at this next picture, okay? This is going to be a picture of my brother when he first wakes up in the morning after his first cup of coffee, which apparently was a little too strong, okay? By the way, i got to warn these kids. Kids, listen carefully. Do not drink coffee. Because if you drink coffee when you're young, when you get married, your babies will be born naked and illiterate. And tea is worse. There was an Indian once that drank four gallons of iced tea. That night, he drowned in his teepee. <laughs> be careful with that stuff. That's deadly. Anyway, this will be my brother. Now, please don't laugh. He can't help it. There he is right there. <laughs> Notice what the textbook says. 30 million years ago. Now, kids, let me translate that for you. Anytime a textbook says millions of years ago, what it means is long ago and far away. That means a fairy tale is coming next, okay? That's your warning, fairy tale coming up. 30 million years ago, these critters evolved. Oh, there's that word again. you got to watch that one. It says they're ancestral to both humans and modern apes. Ancestors to humans? Grandpa? <laughs> what big eyes you have, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, the better to see you with, my boy. You know, we've been teaching kids they're nothing but an animal, and today, a lot of them act like animals. Even Barbara Reynolds figured it out. She said, your kids go ape in school? Here's why. He's being taught evolution. Guess what, Johnny? You're an animal and share a common heritage with earthworms. <laughs> you mean I'm just an animal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever stopped and thought that possibly what we're teaching the kids is maybe affecting how they behave? Hmm? What you believe determines how you behave. Kids are taught today, you know, that you're just an animal. The rock music these days is all full of death and destruction and blood. Well, the Bible says, they that hate me love death. Kids are taught today there are no absolutes. I was in a debate one time, and this professor said, Hoven, there are no absolutes. I said, are you absolutely sure? Blew his little brain. Now, hold on a minute. How can I be absolutely sure? There's no absolutes. I was speaking in a public school in Pennsylvania a couple years ago, and this kid sat on the second row, and he said, Hoven, I'm an atheist. There's no God. I said, are you sure? He said, I'm sure. I said, well, let me ask you a question, son. I said, do you know everything? He said, oh, no, no. I said, okay, well, good. I said, do you think maybe you know half of everything? He said, no. I said, okay, well, let's just pretend for a few minutes that you know half of everything. Would it be possible then for God to exist in the other half you don't know? Brand new thought rattled around in his brain for a while. Got lost, I'm sure. I said, by the way, son, if you're an atheist, let me ask you a simple question. How do you tell right from wrong? Ask an atheist that question sometime. How do you tell right from wrong? He said, that's easy. I decide what's right and wrong. He said, I'm the God of my own universe. I said, I'm glad to hear about that, son, because I am going to shoot you in five minutes. He said, you can't do that. I said, oh, yeah, I can. 
You see, I am the God of my own universe, and I decided it's fine for me to shoot you. You see where that logic would lead in a hurry? If every man did that which was right in his own eyes, like the book of Judges says, serious problems for society, big time. How do you tell right from wrong? Simple question to ask an evolutionist. They don't have a way to tell. I mean, maybe, maybe Osama bin Laden should decide right from wrong. Huh? Maybe Bill Clinton should decide right from wrong, if he has any idea where to find it. I mean, how do you tell right from wrong? Simple. It's real easy to tell right from wrong. Thus saith the Lord. Now see, that is absolute. And the Lord said, Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. Some people either don't know what God says, or maybe they just don't care what God says. But God says, don't do that, okay? <laughs> now, if you did it in the past, okay, say, God, I'm sorry, that was dumb, and don't do it again, all right? A lot of teachers don't seem to understand. They just blindly follow the textbook and think they have to teach this evolution theory. No, you don't have to teach this evolution theory, okay? Teachers can teach creation in public schools if they want. We've got a videotape called the Public School Presentation, which deals with all the laws on that about teaching public schools, what, teaching creation in public schools. What happened was Arkansas and Louisiana passed laws to require that creation be taught. The court struck it down in both cases. They said you cannot require that creation be taught. They said the teachers can teach it if they want, but it has to be voluntary on the teacher's part. Even Stephen Gould said, no statute exists in any state to bar instruction in creation science. It could be taught before and it can be taught now. He was commenting on the 1987 Supreme Court decision. What's happened, though, the ACLU, the American Communist Lawyers Union, they have tried really hard to spread the propaganda around that you cannot talk about creation in the public schools, and that's just simply not true. It's always been perfectly fine to teach creation in the public schools. There's never been a law against that at all, okay? But if a teacher gets up in front of their class and the teacher says, okay, kid, listen, listen, you started off like a slime and you slowly evolved to a human. You don't need to be a genius to figure out that teaching is going to destroy some kid's faith in the Bible. And anybody that destroys a child's faith better read what Jesus said about that. He said, whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Anybody that teaches evolution is in trouble when they stand before God. The Bible says, Be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. It's interesting, though, what happened. Back in the 1950s, the average textbook in America had very little evolution. Two or three thousand words was all. 1957, the Russians beat us in the space race by launching Sputnik, and Americans panicked. How many of you are old enough to remember the panic in America when the Russians were winning the space race? I mean, they had articles in Life magazine, how you can survive fallout. They said the Soviets are ahead of us in science because the Soviets teach evolution. We don't teach it in our schools. I mean, they had articles on how to build your own bomb shelter. People were building them in their backyard, okay, to survive nuclear fallout. Wait a minute. The Soviets are ahead in science because they teach evolution. What does evolution have to do with putting up a satellite? Well, then, in 1959, it was the 100-year anniversary of Darwin's book coming out. And in 1959, Eisenhower asked Congress for a billion dollars to push more evolution into the school system. And he got it. American textbooks were rewritten in the late 50s and early 60s to include more evolution. They called it the Cold War Reconstruction of American Science Education. 
Our whole science curriculum and other curriculums were rewritten to make sure evolution was taught. And by 1963, the average textbook had 33,000 words about evolution. By 1963, prayer was taken out of our school system. Anybody remember that? Madeline Murray O'Hare? By 1963, we started to see a great rise in premarital sex for every single age bracket. We saw a great rise in uh, sexually transmitted diseases for 10 to 14-year-olds. We saw a great rise in unwed birth rates, a 550% increase in pregnancies. The difference is being aborted. Now, one-third of all the kids born at the hospital are born to a couple that are not married, illegitimate children. A third of them. Now, listen carefully. If you are one of those, this is for you. Timothy was a half-breed that never should have been born. Timothy's mommy was Jewish. His daddy was Greek. The Jews weren't supposed to marry anybody but Jews. Mama disobeyed. Timothy's the result. But he wanted to serve God, and God said, I'll take you, son. He wrote two books in your Bible. So if your parents messed up, you shut your mouth and quit your whining, and you go serve God with your life, okay? There's no excuses. God will use anybody, okay? The number of unmarried couples living together has increased radically since 1963. God's word hasn't changed. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Jesus said, if you even look and lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. By the way, ladies, that's why it's important how you dress, okay? My daddy always said, if you're not in business, don't advertise. Okay. Divorce rates have gone crazy in this country. Child abuse is up 2,300%. Illegal drug use up 6,000%. Violent crimes nearly a 1,000% increase. I'm not that old, you know, but I remember the days when you did not have to lock your house. Anybody remember those days? And you left the keys in the ignition all the time. You never took them out because you might lose them. And you go to the average high school, and half the pickup trucks in the parking lot had a loaded rifle hanging in the back window. And nobody got shot in school in those days, did they? You probably didn't hear about this, but the kids at Columbine High School that shot everybody, you know, were very strong believers in evolution. They did the shooting on Hitler's birthday on purpose. They shot Isaiah Scholes just because he was black. Hitler hated black people, so so did they. This was evolution-motivated shooting. And right after the shooting, Rosie O'Donnell caught on her TV program and said, See, we need more gun control. Uh, Rosie, those kids broke 18 gun laws going into that school. I don't think two more gun laws would have slowed them down. See, Rosie can't figure it out. But one guy figured out the whole thing and put it on the spare tire cover on his van. I saw that, I said, man, I have got to get a picture of this. This explains everything. He said, blaming guns for Columbine is like blaming spoons for Rosie O'Donnell being fat. <laughs> it's not the spoon's fault, Rosie, okay? <laughs> and it's not the gun's fault either. Yeah, blame the gun, that's brilliant. SAT scores have plummeted since 1963. Twice in the last 40 years, they have dumbed down the test. They made the test dumber. So the scores would go back up. Teen suicide rate's gone crazy. And that is where we are going to end this particular one. Um, we have multiple ones coming up, so stay tuned for those. I hope you liked it because I have a whole bunch of his on all kinds of subjects, on dinosaurs, creation, um, just you name it. So I'm going to get those posted up because I really think that 
They are good for people to hear, and he's got way more knowledge than I have on those subjects. I mean, I could I could read off what he says, but it's a lot better just to hear him say it. So, again, thanks for listening. Um, please like, share. If you're listening on one of the apps, like in iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts or something, please like it or rate it if you would, even if it's a bad rating, because it will it'll put it up to where other people can find it. So, what we're doing here is we try to get the truth out, the truth ministry. It's out there for free. We don't charge anything. The only thing we, you know, we take money if somebody donates it. If they don't, we don't get it. Pay for it out of our own pockets. So please like and share. And if you have any questions, give us an email. And so thanks again for listening and God bless you.